Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors to hear about what they are learning, what they are teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, welcome to Behind the Sermon. I'm here with Pastor Jeremy yep. and Pastor Nate. I am Pastor Andrew, and we're continuing in our series, Deeper, which has been um, kind of in my opinion, it's been, let's talk about some of the things that we always complain about being the cliches you hear in Christian circles, mm. but let's actually look at them a little bit a little bit more. But before we jump into that, Pastor Nate, we have a couple of things that we wanted to talk through that we've just been bantering about as staff recently <laughs> and celebrating. And so, yeah, a couple of things you want to tell us about. Um, depending on what location you're at, you may not know this, uh, but we hired three new staff at the beginning of the year, which is pretty exciting. So Colin, who completed our internship program, he joined our pastoral staff as kid ministry pastor in Plymouth location. And so the reason we started the internship three years ago was so someone could enter ministry without boatloads of debt. Mm. And um, his total out-of-pocket cost for the internship was $1,850. And yeah, which is amazing. And and I never did the math, but he got paid that last year. So he should be not even out negative 1800. He should be positive yeah. Like 5,000? Something like that. Yeah. So he graduated with more money yep. than... So that, anyway, that's just the heart of the internship. So it yeah. worked, right? Yeah. It's We've great. got someone who went through it, so that's amazing. Um, we hired uh, uh, Pastor Victoria, Next Steps Pastor for the Milton location. So that's mm-hmm. your location, Pastor Andrew, because you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying that for the benefit of the listener. Um <laughs> But she is next steps, which is helping people who don't know Jesus all the way to, you know, maybe even pastoral staff, depending on their call, but helping them take all those next steps in their growth. And then she'll also be launching U-Turn at your location, our student ministries, mm-hmm. in uh, in a couple of months. And then I'm excited about this one. I hired um, an executive administrator slash assistant for myself and for the church as a whole. Yeah. So Aaron Nicholson started full time in the beginning of January. And I, I you know, I just communicate this that first week she was here and she and she worked that whole week. I mean, I just felt a growing sense of relief because everything she worked on that very first week was all stuff that I would have been working on. But while she was working that 40 hours, I was still working mm. on everything I had to work on that yeah. week. And so it was like, yeah, for all of a sudden, like all my effort was duplicated. And uh, so she's done a great job and already just I mean, she's done a huge help. On the, the rest of the staff, too. Just being, yeah. having the organization skills she has. Yeah, like, that's oh, been awesome. That's the, been a role we've talked about since I came on staff in 20, what, 17? Like five yeah. years, I remember us talking about. When you staff a church, the, the, the tendency is always to hire people who do stuff. Yeah. Just take this off my plate. But that is not what grows the kingdom of God. Right. So we, I've always like, I'm going to make my life more uncomfortable, a little bit more stressful in order to hire leaders. Mm -hmm. I want to hire people who lead others. So 
that's why we've we, it's why we haven't had that role yeah. in a few years because it was just being deliberate to make sure I could get you on Jeremy on Pastor Stephen on and um, and do that first and then add on the administer administrative side second. But you see, like a lot of stuck churches, they might have two or three secretaries, secretaries. working. Yeah. In a church of 150 people, yeah. and and because they're putting all their effort into just making sure stuff is printed and put away and right. purchased, yeah. they're not able to move forward. And a lot the of churches becomes a one man show. Yeah, a lot of churches that that's like the second hire you make. Like you, you're the, there's a pastor, and then you get to a point and you just hire a secretary, yeah. and that just. It it does it just it just limits your ability to continue. I, I feel like and even Erin, so. we hired her as a leader. Yeah. So she's doing a bunch of stuff, but she also has a staff member under her. She got an intern doing part of her time under her. Yep. And the great thing about Erin is, well, there's a few great things about her, but one is her resume. So, or her experience. So she worked at a multi-site church that grew from 20 people to a thousand people. It was multi multi locations. She had multiple staff underneath her that yeah. she led, and so we don't have to train her on how to be a be a multi site yep. administrator. You know, she's already worked at a church that's larger than we are now, so she'll be helping us to get organized for the next levels coming. Just a lot of great things about it. And then like a weird dynamic is we've been friends with her and Travis for so long that she's not intimidated by any of us coming right. in, which is like a nice, like a nice side of it. Cause a lot of times, like it's for me, anytime I have someone with high admin skill joining my team, it's a constant conversation of like, no, I need you to worry about it. Like you should be offending me almost with how much you're Please checking in on these things. <laughs> like, it's okay. Like, I don't care if it's, you know, send me a message, remind me, like, you're not bugging me yeah. because it's, it's such a weakness that I feel like I possess. It's okay. And that's what I like about Erin is she has no intimidation by any of us. She does yeah, not care. <laughs> so, yeah. And then she has her DNA. She attended yeah. here for a year as she lived in her and Travis lived in Dover. So anyway, lots of good stuff. Uh, one other thing is Kids Takeover is Sunday, yeah, um, which is so much fun. Last year we did it for the first time, and and it was just a great time. I remember during our our first Sunday of the year last year, during our seventy fifth, um, uh, our former pastor Dave Blakeney talking about when they had a service for the teenagers, no one showed up, mm. and um, so. If you don't have kids, you don't like kids, you still want to come to church this week. One, because I'm preaching a real message that you need to hear, mm. and it will help you to grow. And then also, we, a couple of our core values, heritage and together, are ones that we want to live out yeah. by supporting our kids and, um, you know, and being there for them. So mm. that's it. We can talk about the message. Yeah. Now, yeah. If you guys want to talk about the Patriots getting blown out in the playoffs or. Oh, yeah. I missed that. Anything else? It was bad. It was really bad. You could have watched it at my house. <laughs> but we're in, we're in week three of Deeper. And uh, one of the things that w you really focused on was the idea of community, um, which is definitely. You know, you, it's a word you hear a lot, and even it can be a hard thing to live out. Um, and even for us, I think as staff, sometimes 
we are individuals with very high we're not task doers, but we're kind of goal oriented. So we tend to very easily shift into, I just work all the time and I can neglect community. And so figuring that out isn't necessarily an easy thing, but you really pushed us into thinking about what does community look like? And most importantly, why do we have it? And uh, you used the banana plant illustration. Where did you find and or come up with that idea? <laughs> um, I... Read Speed of Trust last week. Um, it's by Stephen Covey, and he, in page 62, <laughs> he talked about, he was talking about roots. Uh, he's talking about a tree in four systems, uh, like character, competency, productivity. I don't remember all four of them, but he talked about someone who has uh, maybe character, but no productivity is um I probably got the book in my backpack is a uh, is a stump mm-hmm. and so that idea when I read stump I'm like oh the first week it's a tree that dies because of the drought when Jeremy preached last week that if you don't have a deeper walk that's what you are you're a stump you you're yeah. just useless mm-hmm. yeah and um and then so I'm like what could be my illustration for this week and then I even walk through for the next couple of weeks thinking about deeper roots building off the first week that's cool. what's the visual to each of those so yeah so in that research um i knew banana plants needed to be planted together i didn't know why so mm-hmm. then it was just a little bit of research yeah. to figure that out that's cool yeah um one of the things that made me this is uh totally not a serious note but Bananas grow the wrong way. If you look at the pictures of them, they grow up, and that makes me uncomfortable. I always thought they grew down. I've never looked close enough You'll have, for the banana Look up plant. a banana plant growing. <laughs> bananas grow upwards. They grow towards the bananas sky. Bananas grow wrong. They, go the wrong. they grow the wrong way. But um, but yeah, so you you really, I think that, that <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that, that has always bothered me. They grow the wrong no, way. Yeah, that's a thing. That um, should bother you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, you, oh, did you find your thing that you were looking I for. I do. We don't have book. to talk about it. Um, character is you're below the surface. Uh, those are your, those are your roots. Mm-hmm. And then competence is above the surface. So the four cores of credibility. Integrity, which is below the surface. Intent. So if you have poor intent, you're, you're stump. Your capabilities and then your results. And that's your fruit. Mm. And certainly we see that as part of our biblical... What message. was that again? Speed of Trust by... Yeah, Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey. Um, but you, you, laid out, you laid out a lot of the story of, um, of Demetrius and kind of his mentality and how easily... No, Demetrius was Allstaff yesterday. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm losing. I'm I mixing my stuff multiple up. Times. I'm sorry. We talk about Allstaff. Oh, There's so many good ones. There's so many things. I, I'm losing yeah. it. I just saw Axe, and then I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what we talked about. We've been talking about Axe a lot. No, uh, so the, uh, they delete, uh, voted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and so we kind of really focused in on teaching conversations. So I guess the big question that we want to walk away with is how do we have community in the 21st century in a vastly different culture than potentially the biblical characters were um, experiencing? How do we walk that out well? So, I don't know if either of you have thought about that. 
<laughs> I mean, I preached on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For for all great ideas, go watch the sermon from this Sunday. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, it's a hard challenge. There's so much like now, like people can be friends just by watching each other's TikToks all the time, mm. never having a real conversation, but like they just can this digital mindset which I think you hit on really well talking through like online church, which I think we should talk about as well. Like, okay, if watching online is not the goal, some people might need to know why do we stream our services? Something just important. Like, Oh, wait a minute. I thought you streamed it so I could stay home. During yeah. COVID. Our vision from the very beginning and yeah. we communicated over and over again is our church online is an invitation tool. Right. It's about the Great Commission and reaching just one more. Mm. A lot of people are scared to come to church yeah. for good reason. I mean, we talked about it in all staff yesterday. There's a lot of horror stories within church yeah, and church absolutely. staff, and there's a lot of reasons to be afraid. Plus, if you've never gone to church, um, you, and but you've only watched movies, again, that's scary as well. Yeah. And then for the Christian, you're like, church, it's not scary. Why would you ever be scared? Why don't you this weekend go visit and uh, go be a guest at uh, a temple or, or a, Muslim, a synagogue? Yeah, synagogue or a yeah. Muslim uh, a Muslim service. And go just attend, try and feel comfortable. Yeah, and, and just go just go walk in. Right. And how are you going to feel? Well, that is how an unchurched person feels coming Absolutely. to our services. It is all foreign. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so church online. When you're inviting someone, you're able to connect them to church online. They're able to watch yep. a couple weeks, a couple months. They get comfortable. Then they show, show up for the first time. Yeah, That's been the goal. It was never about, hey, Christian, um, why don't you just do church online so you never have to see us ever again? Right. <laughs> and you never have to do anything or be involved or just when it's convenient, hit play. Do Time other in. stuff while Pastor yeah. Nate's talking in the background. <laughs> Cook your breakfast. <laughs> yeah, and then do. when it's over, you're done. Go yeah. about the rest of your life. I think, yeah, the only added benefit for a Christian for a, and even a member of the church, like for me, we still watch online on vacations. So yeah. when we go on vacation, we went on, <laughs> we went on vacation with uh, Haley's entire family and Sunday morning came, everyone wanted to walk around and we were like, oh no, we have church. And we just put it on in the living room and we, and we still watch church because we don't ever want to miss a week. And I think that's like the one added benefit is like, okay, if you are sick and you cannot come in, awesome. You can still watch. If you're yeah. on vacation, you could still have that discipline to participate still. Yeah. We always watch a vacation. We've wa we've gone to church before, uh, during a child's football game. Oh, so yeah. they've got to be dropped off at eight in the morning. And then, so, you know, so, you know, we're watching church online then. The other good benefit is if in case the entire world shuts down because of a pandemic, you can still <laughs> yeah. have oh, church. Yeah. So yeah. we had if church online happens. set up before that. Yep. And so when it shut down, like, well, I guess this is another reason why we have church online. So <laughs> right. we just didn't miss a beat. We kept rolling. Yeah, because yeah. we, we'd we set up our church online. It was like 10 months before, something like that, before the world. It wasn't world's... even that long. Yeah. It was like 
hey, September and we shut down in March. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like, <laughs> hey, we're online. Oh, thank God, we're online. <laughs> it was scary because yeah, we watched the scramble. So many other churches had to experience, and then we also saw some. And you were kind of alluding to it. Some other churches faced the challenge of they made their church online location. They talked about it like it was as good as uh, it was the same as attending church, yeah. and they are still suffering because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I we commuted. We were I communicated with you guys and the church very yeah. clearly. Like this is not an in church replacement. Mm. It is a tool for evangelism. Absolutely. And that the one that one church that was like, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same. And they preached it. Well now that you know, only thirty five percent of their church came back from COVID. I think they maybe just hit fifty percent. And I just, it's, it's not the same. Yeah. I think... No, not at all. The, the one thing we've been trying to figure out, so when COVID first hit, and um, because we were online and no one was at the very beginning, it was like 900 people attending our online services yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah. And so we were trying to figure out, all right, especially we had one guy in Washington, he was from our church, moved to Washington. He's on church online, he's commenting. And we had those conversations at the very beginning. This can be church if they can serve. Right. How do we get them to serve? Because you can be in a Bible study through Zoom. Yep. You can give through digital giving. You can obviously worship. Um, but how do you serve? And we haven't been able to figure that out because not everybody can just moderate a chat room. Yeah. Right. And again, that... Moderating is a good thing, but we want people to that's do not more like, yeah, than that's not really a life that. giving. Because yeah. even serving the church to me is is about being on a team. So, yeah. like, just to be the one commenting, like it's not like you're with a bunch of other people, right? Commenting, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you're just you're just answering people's questions, but you're not like on a team working together. Like and that's think, how I make friends. I that's think how I get we, connected. Probably that online team should become more of a team. I think yeah, that would help absolutely. a little bit, but not everybody's able to lead a circle, which is a small group or, or be, um, or, or serve church online under the name restoration church. All right. right. Cause we're, there's a little bit of trust to say, all right, sign in as us. Right. We're going to give you admin. Right. Right. So, so that's we haven't, we were never able to answer that. Mm-hmm. And so we had to start pushing people to, um, yeah. hey, we're glad you're watching. Where are you going in person? Like yeah. in your local community, you have to have a place to serve. Yeah. Where is that? Yeah. Oh, that was some of what we hit this week. Yeah, it was. And I think like for me, it was the, I think through the pandemic and everything, one of the things that I learned, because I, I was wrestling through the question of, is the, is the future of the church only online? Is that where we need to prepare? Like we talked about a little bit, like I don't want to be the grump holding back the next generation right. from what God has. And so it was like a legit question that I was processing through. Like, am I going to have to get over myself and just accept that this might be the future and be prepared for the day when we sell our building and go online? And I think the, the pandemic was like, oh no, there's always going to be a place for this. This is, there's something about the physical, like us gathering that is, that's, that I'm always, that I'm at least always going to participate in. And I think a large portion, but we have friends who do only online stuff. We, I I just talk for a second here of, um, should you gather when it's dangerous? No. You know, and just, you know, we talk about pandemic and 
there's a danger of infecting people, of getting infected should you gather, and certainly people think even now that you shouldn't be gathering, right? Uh, even though the world gathers everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. <laughs> um, but should you gather when it's dangerous? So, I mean, what's your guys' opinions on on that? I mean, I'll. It threw me through a loop for a while because I wrestled with the idea of I don't have a problem gathering at danger to myself, but at what point does me being a danger to someone else become the thing that I have to heavily consider? And so that was the one that really in the beginning of the pandemic started to become the point that I had to wrestle through internally a lot because it was no longer like I'm willing to risk this, but at what point do I begin to consider what am I, how much of a responsibility do I have to another person? And, um, I've had to process through that. And, um, I don't know if I have a solid answer for, should you gather when it's dangerous? Um, I think there, your gathering might just look different and you've got to work through that. You always always gather. Yeah. So the, with disease, it was, uh, we don't know, no. all right? We don't know if so- someone's sick or not, but there's a possibility. In the early church, when they're meeting in underground catacombs, right. there's a real possibility. And at any moment, someone's going to walk in. We're all, every person in here is going to die. Someone, the, the, the right spy walks in this room. We're, we're all dead. What did they do? They kept on gathering. Right. And there was a lot greater risk of yeah. death then than there was through this or any yeah. previous pandemic. I'll tell you what, when when we did shut down, like regardless, of, like should we gather if it's dangerous, when we shut down, we were online only. That is when Haley and I started our circle that we've still been meeting. We don't do semesters anymore because we were going insane. Like, obviously, I was still able to have a little bit of community. We were here doing online services, but then we're just talking to all of our friends and so many of them were going into like weird depressions that people they've never hit before. People are just like, I just feel like I want to cry at any minute. Like I'm so overwhelmed. And so, and so Haley and I were just talking and we were like, you know what? We should just like, forget this. We need to start a small group. If people want to come in, they can, if they're too scared, that's fine. They can tell us. And so we, we remember we were pre-recording services for a while and it was in the summer. We had a fire outside. I literally brought a TV and speakers outside because we didn't know, like, okay, we can't be in homes, whatever. So we started meeting outside. And that that group, we've been doing circles ever since. This is some of the closest people I have at the church now. But I I couldn't. I don't I I don't want to say I don't care. It's hard when we're on we're recording and I'm talking about things. But like <laughs> I don't I don't fully care about the danger because like I want to still pursue community with people. And all of those people were in such a place that they were like having trouble even trusting God because they, they were so nervous and scared. And so it's like, let's just get together and put God, put God forward, put him first. Right. I think we risk it all to follow Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And the, you know, Michelle and I, again, when everything's unknown, Michelle and I's conversation was we are, Christians, we are leaders. Yeah, we're bringing our kids to service. We're serving others, 
And I I keep thinking back, and we we should rebroadcast it or something. But the 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 last sermon I preached before it shut down, or it might have been two weeks before, and you started to feel like people were stopping attending as before mm. everything shut down. And I talked about um, how Christians were serving leper colonies in Hawaii, and yeah. just when there's sickness, the Christian goes first into yeah. the danger zone because we first we love one another and we love our neighbor. And we are the ones who who risk it. And sometimes yeah. there's moments where God protects us and we never get sick. And certainly there's a lot of stories from that in history. And there's other times where we're buried amongst those we were serving. Yeah. But that is what that is part of our call. Yeah. It's to serve those which no one else will. You guys were even pursuing something like that at the beginning, right? There was something where people needed food serve to COVID positive inmates. I remember you talking about like you and Michelle were applying. Oh yeah, we were, we were, I mean, first it paid well, so (laughs) I don't know why, but, but they needed help. I think it was at the jail. Yeah. And so we're like, yeah, we'll go. Uh, They didn't hire us. I don't know why, Uh, but it paid, I mean, it just paid it paid an insane amount. It was like thirty-five bucks yeah. an hour or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> but get, you know, if they're paying that much, because it's because no one's because doing no one, it. no one, no wants one to do would it. sign up to do it. And so, just I just say that because if people hear, like, people can hear that and think like, okay, yeah, that's cool, that's good things. But like, you were actually, yeah, we you put, were, we both put in a resume, and it, it was not convenient. I mean, it was overnight. It was an eight-hour overnight shift that we were going to alternate because, again, like, people need to be helped and if no one's going to do it the christian steps up and honestly the christian should step up before they they look around like i guess no one else is going to do it i'll i'll have to i guess uh no we step up and we serve each other so we serve others it's just so we run to that yeah for sure for a question we had and we could talk about too from someone kind of asking advice on how to handle it and i think multiple people deal with this um Someone says, well, I watch church online with my entire family. Isn't that my community? Just So if it's you, your spouse, and your children, no. Your community <laughs> has to be deeper than that. Again, so yeah. it's deeper community, yeah. not surface community. It has to be deeper than that um, because there's the moment Jesus says, even, even the pagans have family as community. And it's like, it's oh, worded yeah. and he's like, who amongst you would get, if your son asked for bread, would give him a stone. Even the pagans wouldn't do that. Yeah, right. And there's true. this clear moment where Jesus is like, look, even the pagans have family. Mm. And then you get this other moment where Jesus is in the house and they're like, Hey, your mother, your brothers are looking for you. And he says, who are my mother and my brothers? Are they not all here already? And he looks around at the people who are in his direct community and says, these are the people who like he, yeah. you know, he begins to, to expand it beyond the immediate family unit and say like, this is community relationship is bigger than that because even, even non-believers have their family as their direct community. If you serve your family, that's a great thing, but it's also self-serving because you're only serving your family. You have to, you have to disciple yourself and your family on how to serve other people. Mm. And, um, Again, that's part of what we're called to do. We 
you know, we don't we don't have an option. Yeah. It is part of our calling. Every believer is part of our calling. Mm-hmm. Have um right now we're reading a book as a staff, the uh the intentional churches. Um have you gotten have you guys gotten to that um Great Commission engine when it's talking through the three pistons of yeah, the I church. Have. I got the book Sunday. I <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I got the audio book. <laughs> yeah, Stephen got it yesterday. Either way, the sec- so this 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 piston is talking about it's talking about an engine, and there are three kind of parts to church that yeah. keep this engine rolling. Each mm-hmm. one has to be firing equally to go. The first not church one, running the Great new Commission. Salvation. Yeah, yeah, the Great Commission. Just great one more. But it talks through the first one being weekend gathering so that's mm-hmm. like full church coming together the second one being long-lasting relationships the third one being sacrificial surrendered, surrendered surrendered living surrendered living but he talks about in the book which i think just it ties into this i swear uh he talks about in the book the long-lasting relationships when churches put an overemphasis on just a relationship so this would be people saying well i watch with my family yeah that's i i still have a relationship with people who believe when churches put an overemphasis on that, that's when you saw things, generations creating home churches, right? Mm. Where they would just, they'd meet in our homes. It's fine. But what ends up happening is now all of a sudden, no new believers are coming of that. Right. And so, you, again, it, it ties back to that whole idea of people saying they could be a practicing or non-practicing Christian. Yeah. Like, either you're gathering has a purpose of growing you closer to God and others closer to God, or, or you're not a Christian gathering right now, like that that type of idea. Like, it has to move the Great Commission forward, or else it's, or else it's pointless. In yeah. my in my opinion, like, yes, we should all be getting together with with Christians and talking about things like that. But if that's your main focus and what you're doing in your life as a Christian never will bring someone new to Jesus, like you're missing a step. So that community is just, it's empty. It's completely empty. Yeah. Um, and a, and a heavy focus on just this one community, you know, like even my circle that, that we love so much, we're talking about doing a break and all of us starting a different circle because it's been just us for a while. We should, we should probably get some new people in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So just thinking through like the, to, to people who are like, Oh no, I meet with my family. That's fine. Like, no, it's not. The Great Commission is the last thing Jesus told us to do. And if your entire lifestyle doesn't do that, you know, you gotta you gotta change something. Yeah, it would make sense if if all it was was just deepening personal relationship with God, it would just make sense that the moment you became a Christian, you just disappeared and went to heaven, right? Like because yeah, right. you're gonna have deeper relationship with God. Like that's Absolutely. all it's gonna be. Like and then gee, that's it. That's all that matters. Yeah. But there's so much more like that's, that would be, if that was what it was supposed to be, that's the way it would be set up. It'd just be in that moment. Once you believe you disappear and that's it, like it's over. There's nothing else for you to do. Like, and yeah. you've got and to be far less people would come to know Jesus. If that's what it's like, I don't want to go to the church. I don't want to poof. Like, <laughs> I've been pushing this hard for, for over a decade now. Um, it, the one thing I always heard growing up was we were created to worship. We were created to worship. We mm. were, why did God create us? So we would worship him and have relationship with him. hundred percent true. We will do that in heaven. Yeah. What is the one thing we're yeah. called to do here on earth that we won't do in heaven? And that's bring people the good news of Jesus. 
And this is our primary earthly responsibility. That is why we are still here. He's not leaving us here on earth to keep worshiping him. Right. Or like, I can't bring Hillsong Church to heaven because who will write the new worship songs? Yeah. So I got to leave them down there a little bit longer until <laughs> right. they get that next hit. No, it's because we're still here to bring others to know him. We cannot do that once we're in heaven. Yeah. And it is it is the reason everything exists. And it is the reason we have small groups. It's the reason we give to kingdom builders. It's the reason we attend church in person. It's the reason we have Bible study. It's the reason we uh, set ourselves up accountable, accountable to other people. It's the reason we pursue degrees. It's the reason yeah. we work our jobs. It's the reason we have uh, life-giving marital intimacy. It's the reason we raise children. It's the reason we go trick-or-treating. It's the reason we give gifts at Christmas. It's the reason we take vacation. It's the reason <laughs> we have hobbies. I mean, it's the reason yeah. for everything yeah. that others would know Jesus. Mm. There's not one, if there's, There is not one thing that we do as Christians that is not about people coming to know Jesus. And if you think of one, then you either need to let it go or try to figure out why it's connected to bringing people to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Lutheran church, um, one of the things that they talk about that I actually really like is they divide the church into two categories. They say the church who is in heaven is the church triumphant, but the church on earth is the church militant. And that's how they describe your role. They say, oh. one day you will join the church triumphant. Triumphant, You'll be in heaven. But until then, you are the church militant, which means you're the, you're the military. You're the front lines. You're moving the kingdom yeah, forward in everything that you do. And um, I love that mentality and that, and that thought that that's what the job is. It's, it's, you know, you think of what, what it is to be in the army, to be in boot camp, to we're, be we're in... We're so there's... scared of that language. But when I was a kid, we used to sing... Um, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but that language scares people now. Yeah. yeah. But it helps us to, again, I think the problem is it it turns into war and conquering. Right. Um, but it is, it's about a spiritual war and the opportunity to present the good news of Jesus to someone who is far from God. Mm. And... Um, it's a lot more joyful and a lot less aggressive than uh, the church in the 1980s presented it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's equally as like it's equally as life or death. Yeah, right. Like even the, even more. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that idea. It's it makes sense to use kind of warfare thoughts because in warfare you take it seriously right because if you don't do it right your your team's going down you don't casually you know if someone was invading our country you don't casually be like um yeah i'm just here serving my family right you know you <laughs> i'm watching the up, war online <laughs> <laughs> you give up part of your family here are my sons to go serve here are my you know here are my husbands to go serve um, you know, think about World War II. Here's our here's our metal to melt down mm. and make airplanes with. Yeah. Here's our you know here's our extra food to send over 
to France and to Europe to support our troops. It's everybody. And if you were living only for yourself during that time period, I mean, I assume you would be hated yeah. and despised. Um, you know, when they're blacking out all the curtains at night, and you're like, I don't care about that. You can't tell me to put blackout <laughs> curtains on my windows. And then you just light up the sky. Well, you're putting everybody in jeopardy. Yeah. Um, it has to be about, and, and the kingdom of God, again, as Christians, it is about the much bigger picture. We sacrifice some of our time. We sacrifice our finances for the kingdom of God, that it would advance that that those who don't know the 1.1 or not, you know the the 1.1 million people in New Hampshire who who don't follow Jesus that they would have a chance to know yeah so work work with me through this this idea because when we talk about this it can become a mentality and there are pastors who have done it where they've sacrificed their families they've sacrificed um you know they they don't come home they won't they won't they won't work. take a day off. They the won't Satan take a day never off. takes a day off, yeah. so I'm not taking a day off. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that ties into this whole idea of deeper relationship, because I think there's a depth of relationship that we make while we're doing the work together, but there's a depth of relationship we have when we go over to Pastor Nate's house and play monikers. How do we justify that we spent two hours playing a board game when there are people who need to know about the Word of God? Like, how do we, how do we navigate that as Christians? Well, Jesus won. <laughs> All right, so you get a little bit of that, you know, band of brothers at the end of it, once they, was it the eagle's nest that they, that they finally took over, and then they're just in this beautiful, beautiful landscape, um, and they're, you know, the officers are living in one of Hitler's mansions, and they've got nothing to do, they all want to go fight, and, um, the main character, I can't remember his name now, the, but not character, the main guy, uh, Sergeant Winters, he goes and asks for a transfer. Hey, I want to be transferred to the Pacific to go fight there. And they wouldn't let him mm -hmm. um, because they needed him there doing nothing because that was strategic and that was important. And, um, and, and they had other plans for him. So... Big picture, like God's our general. And so we just take his assignment. And he's called us to Sabbath once a week. He's called us to have fun and to yeah. laugh and to enjoy ourselves. Um, and he's also called us to work. But if we're following him, then again, we just take the orders of our general. So he says, get together and eat dinner. Break bread. Yeah. Um, and so we do that. To not do that would be to be disobeying an order. It would be I don't care if he if my if my sergeant told me to take three days rest and reprieve. I'm going out by myself. And you grab your gun. I'm gonna go find me some Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and you go out. Well, what's gonna happen? I mean, you're gonna you're putting everybody at jeopardy. Yeah. And you're gonna be killed or yeah. captured. And so we wait for our commands and we do what he says. And even the the scripture like talking through the one you shared like so encourage each other and build each other up like having that downtime like you cannot be 100% in a battlefield all the time like you need to get built up you need to get ready like uh, that's something that I shared in my sermon like it's not easy it's not easy work to 
help people know Jesus. Like it's mm-hmm. not easy work. We're not making light of that. So like you need time where like, yeah, we're playing monikers. We're also just talking mm-hmm. and almost like detoxing from anything that's been going on. So then when we can sit down and if someone needs counseling, if someone needs to work through, like we, ha- we, we are in a healthier place because we've had some relaxed time with people who understand that. Like, and I still think that's really important. Yeah. Um, I think need that. Yeah. I think, um, if we want to keep the the World War II and World War One analogies running, one of the things that developed in World War One for the first time was PTSD hit, hit. They'd never seen anything like it, and they didn't really know what to do with it. So PTSD's always been around, but the level of PTSD that people were experiencing seemed to rapidly increase in World War One, and in hindsight, what they realized was it was because you were always at war. So if you go back mm. before World War One you weren't in a trench where at any moment the enemy is going to attack at any moment, a shell is going to fall on you. And and at any moment, the gas is going to come. It was staged where you knew where you were going to beat the battle. Let's go March. We're going to go to this field. We're going to stand across from each other, look at each other. And then when we all, both sides will count to three and then we'll just (laughs) shoot each other. (laughs) Which is wild. But what it was, was there was a level of safety in the midst of it. You were, you knew when you were going to battle. You'd go back to your tent. (laughs) And then you'd wake up in the morning and go back and shoot each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was civilized, (laughs) civilized time. I mean, you look at like look at what happens with uh, you know even in in the Bible they talk about it like the Israelites and the Philistines they just stare at each other for weeks. They're just looking at each other. Nothing's happening. Goliath, (laughs) come out here and fight me. But but what we're we're all set. Thank you. (laughs) We're good. But what began to happen was when you only lived in war it did something to you yeah. that just damaged you. Right. When all you lived was war, when there was no safety and they had to develop methods of you serve on the front lines and then you rotate to the back where you're safe. Yeah. You get three then, days mm-hmm. where there's a swimming pool and, and woman. <laughs> yeah. And then you, then they, then you bring you back. Yeah. Shell shocked. Yeah. And the Christian can be shell shocked. Just um, absolutely incapable of enjoying this life. God yeah. made this earth. He made it for our benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Buy some golf clubs, get, buy a dirt bike, play some cards, eat yeah. a great meal, drink good coffee. God put it here for us to enjoy it, and it's not carnal to enjoy it, mm-hmm. especially when you drink a good coffee or you eat a great meal, and what's your or you have a good time with your wife, and what's the response? Praise you, God, most high. Like, you are a good, good, amazing God that you've given us these pleasures to enjoy. And then to even realize, like, it even won't even compare to the pleasures of the new world and the yeah. new heavens and earth. And we think it's all angels and clouds and choirs for the rest of eternity, but that is not how it will be. It will be this earth without pollution, without predators, without poisonous snakes, without sunburns, without frigid um, (laughs) frostbite temperatures. I mean, it's going to be everything we love plus the glory of God with us. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is going to be greater than anything we could ever imagine. And our communion, our community with the Trinity is going to be greater than we ever, ever, yeah. ever imagine. As we see Jesus face to face, as we're um, in his perfect, unrelenting presence, 
as we hear him speak to us audibly within us. And uh, man, it's just good things to come. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And good things to enjoy right now. And we shouldn't feel guilty about it. And we should invite others to do it with us. Yeah, I was going to say, even talking about like how serious it all is, the we've already said it, but the conclusion cannot be, I just won't participate in the war then. You know, if it's going to be like, just, just to drive that point home in case someone listening is like, that does sound taxing. I don't want PTSD. I'll just not participate. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to the entire like point of your, of your message, like that's not what that's you not choose. An you choose to be part of the Lord's army. Right. Or you choose not to follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can, um, I want to drive it to some war now. I mean, you can, um, I mean, I don't even know how it is. A, Jesus, I follow you or I don't. Hmm. Right. And having community with other Christians is part of one of, it's one of the non-negotiables. Yeah. And, and I'll just say this, I'm out of the three of us. I feel like I'm the least relational. When I grew up, um, I had three close friends, and I had a group of about five friends. That was it. Hmm. I don't need more friends than that, yeah. you know? Um, actually, is that right? I have four friends, five friends. I don't need more friends than that. Currently, um, I've got a wife and four kids. I'm at capacity. I don't have room <laughs> or need for any more relationship beyond that, except... Jesus has called me to have greater relationship than just that. Mm. And so I'm introverted. I don't, I don't, I'm not highly relational, but I force myself according to scripture to be part of a circle, to be part of a a multi-person staff, to have friends outside of church and ministry. It is a deliberate, conscious calendared choice because yeah. Jesus has told me to do that for my soul mm. and for my obedience to him. So if you're like me, you don't need it. You don't necessarily want it, um, but you want to honor Jesus, then you do it and you figure out how to do it. And eventually because of what he says, it does become life-giving. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, yeah, I think that's a perfect conclusion for our uh, third week of Deeper, the idea of, you know, we're called to be in community. We don't have a choice, and you've got to figure out how it works out in your own life and what it looks like and how you do it because it's. I think the way you said it is perfect. It's non-negotiable. We don't get to negotiate. We don't get to argue. We don't get to put our own opinion on it or claim that being an introvert is the reason I don't need people. That's not how it works. So. If you're attending church, so everybody in our church, attending online or not, you've got to get in a circle this semester. And yeah. I think I'll hit that the last week, the, all the excuses why I tried it before, whatever, whatever. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm not talking about circles that week, but but it connects. And um, you got to figure out how to get connected in community. We have yeah. circles that meet in person, some that meet online. So everybody at every comfort level can be a part of one. Everyone in our church, everyone who's a follower of Jesus has to be connected beyond just Sunday morning. Absolutely. So begin to pray about it, begin to figure it out, begin to investigate on the website, how you can jump in and um, 
I'm looking forward to seeing you do that. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah.